Good morning. It's good to be with you all. And as Adele said, we're starting this new series. We're just going to be running us through for the next two months until our Christmas, start, our Christmas series starts. Um, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to be taking this time to look at the kingdom of God as we see it laid out through the Gospels. And this is the stuff that feels like it's, this is like the primary stuff. This is like the foundational stuff, like what it means for us to be the people of God. Because our mission as Jesus' disciples is to be part of ushering in his kingdom into this world. And we want to start each week doing something slightly different, which is to begin by standing and seeing the Lord's Prayer together. And then I'm going to read the passage um, as we continue to stand. And the reason we're doing that is because we don't want to just talk about this stuff. We don't want to just be talking conceptually about the kingdom of God. We want to invite God to be at work here, to be bringing his kingdom into this moment. I appreciate if you're new to church, it might feel a little bit strange, but we're not doing anything weird with it. We just want to stand together and invite God to be present in the words that we see. So why don't you stand with me? The words are going to come up on the screen. Feel free to say a different version if you know another version of the Lord's Prayer. But why don't we pray together as we begin this time? Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And then Mark 4, from verses 26 to 29. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprites and grows, but he does not know how. All by itself, soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Amen. You can take your seats. So I want to begin by unpacking a little bit of what we mean when we talk about the kingdom of God. If you've been around church for a while, it's probably language you're used to hearing but it's maybe something, if we're honest, we don't really fully grasp. We say it without really fully understanding it. And also alongside that, um, we've also heard lots of talk about kingdoms and kings and queens in the last little while, haven't we? And so understanding the distinctive or the kingdom of God feels really important. So there's a few questions that we can ask to help unpack it a little bit. I'm just going to go through them quickly. So there's the question of what is it, who is part of it, and how is it coming about? So firstly, what is it? What is the kingdom of God? There's a great definition by N.T. Wright, and he says it like this. God's kingdom and kingdom of heaven, which is the way that Matthew describes it in Matthew's gospel, it means the same thing. The sovereign rule of God, i.e. the rule of heaven, that is, of the one who lives in heaven, which according to Jesus was and is breaking into the present world, the earth. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God coming close, he's saying that while at a time there was a distance between heaven and earth, between God's ways and God's intentions and how we live on earth, that now the gap is closing. Heaven and earth are coming closer together with God's ways and God's intentions informing and shaping the earth more and more. You can see a nice circular visual, I did think. Two circles there. Maybe, there it is, look at that. That was good, good clip art there. And that's what it is, and who is part of it? That's the next question. Who's part of bringing that about? Well, firstly, most importantly, this is God's job. 
God is the one who ushers in the kingdom of God. Jesus is the one who established it by dying and rising again. And he is the one who will complete it when he returns. But equally, we find throughout scripture that we have a part to play in it too. That we're invited to participate in this work. And again, a great N.T. Wright quote to describe some of how that looks. He says this, God intends his wise, creative, loving presence and power to be reflected into his world through his human creatures. And so this is the bread and butter. This is the foundational stuff of what it means for us to be Jesus followers, to be Jesus' disciples. We are called to be bearers of the kingdom, to reflect God's will and God's intention here on earth, to get involved, to get our hands dirty, to be part of what God is doing. So that's what and who, then the final question is how. How is this happening? How does the king, what, does, what does it look like when the kingdom of God comes about? Um, unfortunately, I don't have a nice anti quote for this question because actually we're going to spend the whole of this term unpacking what that means. What does it look like? How do we have eyes to see the work of the kingdom of God amongst us? Because the answer is that we don't, have, we don't have a detailed blueprint. We don't have everything laid out day to day, every step that God is going to work in, in our lives and in those around us. I mean, I was thinking about it. Could you, could you imagine that we did? Like every Sunday, God just drops a bunch of paper on us and says, right, this is my plans for this week. You need to read all of it to understand what's going on. So if you get started, we can check in again tomorrow, see how you're getting on. God doesn't, God doesn't work like that with us. But what we do find throughout the Gospels are stories. Stories which help us to understand how the kingdom of God works. So the parables of Jesus, right? They're stories where I think God... Jesus offers us discernment. So we're able to look at this world around us and amongst everything that's going on with culture wars and competing voices and virtue signaling and the cost of living crisis and all of these things we're aware of. And amongst that, we can look through that and say, I can see where God is at work and I know what my part is to play amongst it. And so let me, let me just take a moment to read this parable again because it's quite short. And just as I read it, I, I'd love for us to have that, that lens as we're thinking about it and receiving it. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to come here? And how can we play our part? Mark 4. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Some of you might know that I'm a big fan of vegetable gardening. I use it in far too many analogies, um, but I'm, so I'm not apologizing for that now. It's, it's, it's a great thing to use as an analogy. But you might have noticed, if you're kind of a, 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 keeping track of these things, I don't know why you would be, but you maybe are, that I've not done many in the last two years. And there's a two-year-old reason for, for that. Um, this is what my veg garden used to look like. Look at that. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> That's just one section. Do you see the, the order and the care? Everything's labeled. Everything looks healthy. I built that cloche cover for it. Everything's growing as you'd expect it to. This is the same section of the raised bed this year, uh, this summer. See if you can get the next picture up. If you can probably see, that, that's a radish. That's a single radish that survived Michael walking around the soil. There's potato plants. I didn't plant, plant potatoes. They just started growing. So it wasn't intentional. <laughs> so why did I show you those two pictures? Well, this is exactly the kind of visual that we should have in our minds when we think about this parable. 
because we're used to kind of a cause and effect world, right? I put in this amount of effort, I get this amount back. I create this well-ordered garden and I expect to get a well-ordered harvest in response. I like, randomly scatter seed about unless a two-year-old walk around the soil and I will get a fairly sporadic harvest that I can't really predict. <laughs> and yet when we look at the parable and we listen to the words that Jesus said as he describes how the kingdom of God works, it kind of suggests something different might be going on. That somehow I could scatter seed kind of randomly without much thought and yet return in a few months to find a harvest better than my glory days of the veg patches. <laughs> so I wonder, what does this teach us about some of how the kingdom of God works? One of the things, one of the key things I think that we learn, which has already been given away a little bit by these great signs, is that the kingdom of God is mysterious. Verse 27, the seed sprouts and grows, though he, the sower, does not know how. The thing that surprised me when I read this for the first time was that um, when you read the passage and when you read what's going on, it shouldn't really feel mysterious. The sower shouldn't be surprised by what's going on, right? A seed growing into a plant is not really a mysterious thing. We understand the whole thing. We understand how it works. We understand how to help it grow, don't we? It doesn't feel like it's this big mysterious thing. And yet, in the case of the sower, he chooses to lean into the mystery of this ordinary thing rather than attempt to take over himself and predict what's going to happen. He could have tended the ground, but he doesn't do that. He could have put down fertilizer, but he doesn't do that. He could have pulled out weeds at the process of it, but he doesn't. He could have watered it, which is kind of like basic plant, plant care, isn't it? Watering the seeds. He doesn't do that either. There's no signs of him doing anything like that. Instead, he goes and has a sleep. Whether he sleeps or wakes, that's the, the, the language that's used. And so in one sense, his, his level of trust in the process of these seeds growing into harvest is kind of radical. Or you could say reckless. That's like, that would be the natural human response, wouldn't it? Surely adding a bit of water to the seeds is just, like, like just, it's just a basic thing to do. And if he doesn't do that, the seeds might just not grow. But I think that's the whole point. That's the stuff that's supposed to stand out to us. Jesus' parables often are kind of surprising and confronting in some way. He has discovered, the sower has discovered the unseen work of the soil is trustworthy. And likewise, I think we too are invited to see that the working of the kingdom of God, while it is mysterious, it is trustworthy. And so the sower, he lets God do the work that is God's and doesn't presume to know what's best, even if it might feel obvious in front of him. And I wonder that we need to hear that afresh today. Is that it should be obvious, but I think sometimes you live as though it's not true. That, that God knows what he's doing, and we can trust that he is at work. One of the things that will likely get in the way of that being our reality, the way that we live, is if we have competing visions for our life. While we might understand the idea that God's ways are trustworthy, we can easily live as though our plans are the very best plans for our lives, right? Our dreams, our vision for our lives, the things that we set out in front of us, that's the best possible version of our lives. And we can even take it a step further and we can bring our faith into that, our following Jesus into that, and just hope and assume that, that Jesus might just affirm how good our plans are, right? Just kind of cheer us on as we're doing the things that, that we know that we'd like to be doing. And that can work okay for a little while. There are times where, in God's grace, those things do align, right? 
But the danger is that when we have that view, when we, when, we, when we view our faith that way, and things turn out differently to what we expect, and we've poured our energy and efforts into predicting and planning a certain direction for things, and it doesn't come out that way, then we can end up feeling a bit lost and wondering where God is and amongst all of it. In the last few years, I think one of the most uncomfortable parts of these kind of cascading crises of one after the other, the other for me, personally, as I've been reflecting on it, has been how revealing it's been around some of this stuff I'm just talking about. There are a number of areas in my life where I've assumed I have a lot more control than I do in reality. There was, there was no world where I thought the government could have control over when I can and can't go outside. It felt like a fairly basic thing that I should be able to plan, I can go outside tomorrow. There's no world where I expected I could, the, the, the government could decide when I can and can't go to church, or how much toilet roll I could buy, or when I can and can't see family, you know? Like basic stuff. And all of us, in some form or other, were faced with the reality that we maybe don't have quite as much control over our lives as we thought we did. And, you know, I don't think that sensation has necessarily gone away because there's this international conflict that we feel very aware of on the news and feels like it's very close to our sense of peace and comfort. There's a very present, imminent financial crisis right now. There's a cost of living crisis. And I wonder, it's maybe a revealing moment for many of us. Our vision to live our best life with Jesus just cheering on the things that we have planned, it might not ever come out that way. It might not come to pass that way. Some of these things that I feel like just present challenges, that, that awareness of the fact we don't have control over the things we th thought we did, that's probably never really going to fully go away. <laughs> and so I think, I think we have a choice. I think we can double down on the stuff that we do still feel like we have control over, or we can lean in to the mystery of God's working and trust that his kingdom is trustworthy. I've noticed, just kind of building on this a little bit, I've noticed a few trends in culture in the last little while. Kind of, and I feel like it ties into this. You might have noticed them too. There's a few articles that kind of summarize them, but I just, they might appear on the screen. Yeah, so things like, so the Great Resignation, we heard maybe loads of um, articles written about that last year. There's unparalleled numbers of people quitting their job in the last year. And I'm sure there's loads of reasons for why that happens. But one thing you could say as a general thing was, well, people have control of where they work and amongst a world where they don't feel like they have much control of much. Another thing, example is the, un, the unsustainably competitive housing market. Well, I can control where I live. Or the culture war, which is like, well, I can control the people that I associate with and the, the, the posture and the position that I have on certain things, and I can voice that publicly. Do you know, there's, there's a sense in which it's like, well, here's the things I still maybe have in my grasp, and I can do something about those things. So if we can see that in how the world is responding to what's going on around us, what might it look like as followers of Jesus to, to join in with the posture of the sower? We've focused lots on what the sower doesn't do, but the sower does do a few things to give him credit. The first thing he does is he sows seed. He takes what's in his hand and he throws it down into the soil. What might it look like for us to do the same? to look at the things that we have a grasp on right now, and rather than holding them close to our chest, instead laying them down so that God might do mysterious work in them. Rather than 
moving the stuff that feels in our control, our lives, our homes, our work around to exert control, instead digging deeper roots to allow God to work where we are. Instead of pouring over the latest updates in the BBC News app, instead pouring our energies into the Bible app. <laughs> pouring ourselves into places which remind us that we follow a faithful God. I'm glad that you laughed eventually at the fact that. Instead of spending our time produce, predicting future outcomes of how things might happen, instead pursue, spending our energies pursuing the presence of Jesus. I had some extended leave last month. Um, I was gifted an extra couple of weeks off, so most of August um, I had off. And it was such a gift and to have that extra time to rest. And God was really kind in amongst it. And one, one of the things that he revealed to me over the time was that there were a number of habits that I'd begun to form that weren't good um, over the last few years in, in response to some of what's going on around me. And one of those habits was um, my evening routine. So I think in an effort to try and maintain control over uh, just wanting a bit of introvert time. <laughs> when everyone else went to bed, I would stay up and just not, never do anything productive with that time. I'd stay up late and find a TV series to watch or a YouTube channel to follow or something uh, to kind of distract me or keep my attention occupied. And I became aware over the course of the month that, that that was actually not really producing very much good in me and that God was offering me to kind of reset that rhythm with him. And so in the course of that month, rather than, you know, when holidays usually you just lose all routine, I decided to start a new routine with God in that space. And he was so kind to me as I took time to, to kind of give him the evenings to, to read, to wait on him and to go to bed earlier, which feels like an obvious thing. But, but I noticed in amongst that, him begin to restore life to places which had been dry before. That at other points in the day, I'd become more aware of his presence. And I felt a, a deepening hunger to be with him in the evening where I hadn't for a while. And so a month on in this rhythm, again, after I'm back, I'm so thankful for it, and it's still sustaining me in this time. You might be able to relate to that specific example, or there might be something else similar in you. You were like, oh, yeah, actually, as I reflect, there is something that I've been holding on to tightly because I've wanted something which is mine, or I wanted something that I could still control. Or maybe it's in your relationship with others. Maybe you're even aware of right now is that you're holding on to something as you relate to your kids, your desire to control the outcomes of their lives. Or maybe it's in relation to your partner, the person that you live with, that you want to, you want to control and try and change them by your own efforts. And it may be that God's inviting us this morning to lay down that control, to invite him to be at work. The sower sows the seed. And so how can we do that same activity in our lives? What can we lay down and trust in God's kingdom work? So that's the first thing that he does. The second thing that the sower does is that he then goes about his ordinary day-to-day -day life. Whether he sleeps or eats, the seed grows, right? He looks after himself. He eats and works and sleeps, and he trusts in a hidden work that he can't see. And what's interesting is that as he's doing that, Jesus at that point then points out that there is growth happening, that the seed is moving from seed to stock to, to head to kernel. There's this kind of growth that's happening alongside it. And in the same way, I wonder that when we really trust God with the stuff that we could be holding close and controlling for ourselves, I wonder that God then gives us the eyes to see where he is at work. He doesn't give us the full picture, because I think if he did, then we'd just take it and say, right, well, I can do that and do it ourselves. Instead, he gives us glimpses, little snapshots, uh, a grain, a stock over here as you're having a conversation with someone and become aware of God working in it. The, the head over here is, as you notice something in yourself, 
um, as you respond differently in a setting. We might notice deeper peace in ourselves or a greater patience as we relate to others. So we might notice in, in someone else that we care about in our family that it's something that we didn't notice before because we're so determined to control how they're growing. And now we notice, oh, actually, God is at work there. God's doing something in this space. It's a mysterious and hidden work, but we begin to see some of its fruit. I don't, I don't want to rush past this point because I think most of us were spe- spend most of our lives in this kind of space between seed sown and harvest come. That's the, grand, the big story that we're in right now, isn't it? That Jesus has risen from the dead and we're waiting on his return. But it's also the story of our lives, that we sit in this waiting space. We see glimpses of God's kingdom, but most of the time we just see those glimpses. We don't see it in full. And actually... I think this is the space where God will do some of his most forming work in you, if you let him. In the hard graft, in the waiting and wrestling and surrendering control on a day-to-day basis. And in amongst that too, in the glimpses of life and kingdom fruit that we see at work around us. As I was preparing to share today, I did have a sense that maybe God wanted to speak to some of us here around just reaffirming the work that we're currently doing. That maybe after the last few years, it's felt like you've lost the why behind what you're doing, or it feels like that why is diminished significantly. And I got the sense that God wants to renew your vision to see where he's at work amongst the things that you're doing, the job that you carry, the things you have responsibility for. Maybe not to take you out of it, it might still feel mundane, it might still feel ordinary, but I wonder he wants to renew your eyes so that you might see more of the glimpse, those glimpses, a stock in the conversation you're having with a colleague, you know, uh, uh, something changing in, in your attitude towards it in that, that head to continue with that analogy or in the stock growing. Um, if there's anyone here that's like that, I'd actually just like to take a moment to pray. So it might not be for you, but why don't we just close our eyes together? And I, I just want to pray if that feels like it's for you. Um, and there'll be prayer ministry later on. Yeah, Father God, we just, I'm taking a moment to pause just now, and um, I ask that if this is a word for anyone in this space, that God, that you'd affirm it in, in us, that you would renew our sense of vision for the things you've called us to, the things that might have become tired to us or ordinary. Would you increase our expectation that we might see you at work in the things that we're doing? Renew our eyes in those places. Amen. So that's the sower sows the seed. He goes about his ordinary day-to-day life. And then finally, the sower is ready for the harvest. When the time comes, he returns to find a harvest, and he's ready for it. Now, how is he ready? Well, he's done a good amount of preparation. He's been resting and eating and looking after himself. In other words, he's not been striving after something which he's given God control of. Because when we actively trust in God's hidden working in our day-to-day lives, and we aren't striving after that stuff in our own strength, I think it readies us for the moments where God does move. Because there are times in our lives where we do see kind of harvest moments, where we see something shift in God really clearly at work amongst us. Where God opens up this big door, and you almost kind of get this sense of your faith growing and saying, yes, this God. God's almost saying to you audibly, now is the time, I want you to do this, I want you to move, I want you to step into this. There's a, a pastor and writer called Leonard Ravenhill, and he describes those moments as kind of moments of unction. 
It's like anointed moments where the Spirit is really at work in you and you're like, God, and you, it just stirs up something in you, that sense of faith that God is here and God present, God is present. Maybe, if, maybe you can think of times in your life when you've noticed that, where you've had to step out in faith into something which you've not really been sure about yet, but you've just been aware of God work, working in you and drawing you towards it. And in those moments, in those harvest moments, we get to see God do incredible things, right? We get to see people come to faith in Jesus and come to alive in him. We get to see healing, relationships restored. We get to see new communities formed. We get people restored who've been struggling with addiction. Lives completely turned upside down. And even a few weeks ago, when we heard from Zoe at IGM, we see some of the bigger work that God is doing. As, as, as IGM have poured their work in prayer to see God move in justice. And some, did you remember some of the stats that she gave of how things completely turned on their heads as IGM has been at work, prayerfully pushing forward. And I think that the, the great thing about what this parable offers to us is that as we see those moments come about, as we have those times in our lives where we step into it, we're also under no illusion that we're the ones who brought it about, right? Because we've given over control for those things. We've trusted in God working. So when they happen, we know it's God's work. It's not ours. We just get the privilege of witnessing it and joining in and saying yes. I, I want to be ready, more ready for those moments. I want to be more expectant to see those kinds of moments happening in my day-to-day -day life. And I, I hope that all of us do. Those, those moments where God says, come and join me. Come and see what I'm doing. So just to finish... The kingdom of God is mysterious. And we wanted to start with this as the, the first point around the kingdom of God series because we're going to begin to unpack lots of other different things, different, different parables about how the kingdom of God works. But it's important to start by knowing, reminding ourselves that we will never know in full in this lifetime what the kingdom of God looks like. There's some things we will never have the answer to. There's some questions will remain unanswered. And when we lean into that, when we recognize its truth, that it's not as predictable as we'd like it to be, that it doesn't, A doesn't equal B, <laughs> A plus B doesn't equal C all the time. But when we lean into that mystery and trust that God is working, he gives us the amazing privilege of joining in, of giving us glimpses of where he's at work. So let me pray for us um, before the band come up. Why don't you stand with me if you're able. Lord Jesus, I want to, I want to finish the way that we started um, by reiterating those, re-saying those words. Would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? As we live in this kind of middle ground, this waiting space, um, as we invite your kingdom to God, come, God, we look forward to that day when we will know you in full, where all of creation will be restored in you where this waiting will end. But until that time, we, we ask you to renew our faith, our trust in you, our trust in the work that you're doing in your kingdom here and now, so that we can loosen our grip a little more on the things that we feel we ought to have control of. And we give them back to you again just now and trust you with those things. Would you renew our vision to see where you're at work in our day-to-day -day lives? Would you increase our expectation that you are at work? 
that your kingdom is present here and now and while it's mysterious we get to see some of its fruit and I and God I pray finally that you would ready us for those moments of harvest that you'd stir up faith in us to expect that you want to do amazing things in and through us We invite you to do that work just now, even as we respond.